y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys talk about what they are doing to pass the time during the social distancing, such as gaming with family, playing video games, and Marty's fascination with the number of Mountain Dew flavors. Huh? Really? You know how many different flavors of Mountain Dew there are? Yeah, I'm the one that finds them, buys them, and brings them home. Oh, yeah. And also drinks them, too. (laughs) Also, Adam and I joined Marty to talk about a game we've been playing, Half-Truth. Plus, Adam reviews the latest Pathfinder supplement. The Scurry Reporters will talk about this pandemic and how it may affect the board game industry. Pass me that frostbite. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 195. Hey, 19. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. Bravo. Bravo on the title. Thank you. That is spot on. For those who don't get it, get it. We're going through a pandemic right now. What's the name of the virus? COVID what? COVID what? 19? Hey, 19. Who happens to be from Steely Dan, who's one of my favorite bands, who is actually my youngest son's favorite band of all time. That's pretty surprising for a 17-year-old. That is pretty good for a 17-year-old to know some Steely Dan, but I was just going to say, anytime you said, hey, 19, you suck. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You're killing me here, 19. You're killing me. Skate a little lower now. And we are maintaining our social distance from one another while we bring this episode to you. We are approximately 35 miles apart. Uh, Do you think that is safe enough? Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, The good news is, well, I hope, is that the internet stays up and stable because right now is the world continues to fight through this and we hope you and your family are safe that you are doing well the internet's been having some problems marty uh yeah it has have you seen where like places like the, the streaming uh such as uh, netflix hulu's etc starting to throttle down because videos and binging uh takes a takes a lot of bandwidth there yeah it does and we still got to keep this economy chugging maybe barely moving at a walker pace. And if you're throttling the internet down on me while we're still at work and supposedly doing Zoom, oh, don't get me started on Zoom. I was actually thinking about trying out Zoom. It's very popular right now. As long as it's just you and I, um, like uh-huh. later in the episode, we hope to have the scurry reporters on to talk a little bit more serious with us. You know, you only got 40 minutes, but you and I should probably try Zoom as we go this um, back and forth thing. Go high def versus this fuzzy Google Hangout thing. <laughs> yeah. Zoom is a thing. In fact, I actually jumped on uh, Bonacore's happy hour yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. He has, a, mm-hmm. uh, he has an event where twice a week he has a happy hour where he invites up, you know, hundreds of people and up to 100 people can get into a Zoom conference and they sit there and talk. And I was kind of out of my element. Everybody was chatting and I was just kind of there and it's like, I, I don't want to interrupt and I don't want to say anything. And they're talking about their favorite wines and beers. And I'm like, I'm just having a tea over here. So I felt kind of out of place, but I think that's a cool thing that he's doing. It's all very upbeat. They don't talk about any down things or anything like that. It's, it's a very upbeat discussion. Uh, well, that's good that he's doing that for the community. Now, uh, for those of you who can't see Marty, because, well, this is a audio podcast and everybody can't see him. He is holding blue masking tape or painter's tape with him right now. <laughs> and he, and it's making me think of all the stores I have been in right lately where I have my six foot barrier set up with blue painter's tape. <laughs> 
Uh, does anybody else see that too? The first time I saw that was at Hobby Lobby. I'm like, what are these lines on the floor? And then every once in a while you'd see, this is six feet. D- keep this between you and the person in front of you. No, actually, so for two days now, Vanessa's been looking for painter's tape. And I said, Vanessa, we have it somewhere. And we just finished recording a segment with a scurry report because we do these out of order. And uh, I happened to look down on the floor beside my desk and look, here's the painter's tape. So she actually is out at, uh, she had to run an errand. She's going to have to stop and get some for, um, she's still, she's teaching school online. So she needed some tape. And I said, don't need to stop because I found it. And she was, it made her very happy. Well, that's good. Because three months ago, Aldi's had a big, stack of painter's tape. I could have hooked you up, but I'd have to throw it to you. And I don't know if I can hit 35 miles right now. (laughs) That would hurt. Oh man. So it is, it is crazy around here. And it's funny, Tony, we're like, well, we haven't played any games. So, so what do you want to talk about and stuff? Now, now nice thing is, is that Vanessa, uh, my wife, Vanessa, who does the intro to the episodes has been super sweet and every couple of days, she just say, if you want to play a game, I'll play a game with you. So she has been nice playing some games with me, uh, like Half-Life, which uh, which is a trivia game that's gone over really well. It's, it's designed by Ken Jennings and Richard Garfield fame, you know, who did design magic. So um, we've enjoyed that game. What was really cool is last night we played a co-op game and uh, this, she was so sweet. She said, you know what? I know you and Tony can't get together. I know you are struggling to find content about game reviews and stuff. She said, I'll record a segment or two for your episodes during this time. (laughs) You make me so happy. So I don't know what we're going to do, Tawny, because hopefully during this episode, we're going to have some segments with her. They haven't been done yet. So it may not happen. So if you look through the show notes and it's there, yay. If not, then something didn't happen. But she has offered to do a couple of reviews. And one of them we did want to review was um, Half Truth. Um, did I say Half? I did say Half Truth earlier, not Half Life, right? Uh, I was paying attention, but you've moved so fast that I've missed it. Okay. So anyway, Half Truth, uh, which has been a, a very fun game. And maybe this other co-op game, which is based on the Legends of Andor, uh, which is a very popular game uh, from Cosmos, a co-op game. And they have released... A game that's kind of along the same vein, but a lot shorter. Cosmos games, they've always been a favorite of mine. They are putting out some good hits, dude. We also got a copy of Exit that I want to play with Vanessa sometime, too, that I've never played. And yeah. it's called, like, is that like Mystery on the Mississippi or something like that? Well, that's right down her alley, isn't it? That's why we wanted it, because yeah. it's it's like a, it's from the 1800s, and you're a steamboat going down the Mississippi and there's been like a murder. No, there's been a theft or a murder or something. You have to solve it. So I'm looking forward to trying that. Lord love her. She was going to clean the basement, invite everybody over this past weekend for us to game. <laughs> yes. And um, I'm not going to say Fred kept his social distance. That's fine. But I have not stopped working since I got back from my trip. Oh, And so I've been working every weekend and I am, as many people may know, I work for the power company and I am the emergency preparedness director for our business unit. Let's just say we weren't prepared for this crap. (laughs) How do you prepare for this? It's like, okay, we can prepare for hurricanes, tornadoes, heavy storms. Does anybody have a contingency plan for a pandemic? Uh, but but uh, Marty, we do. We actually do have pandemic plans. But the fact that the pandemic plans did not recognize the extent of just what the the shutting down, we did not anticipate the shutting down of the economy like we did. And the 
supply curve being hit like it was. It was just unreal. It was just like, holy cow. We could not go beyond imagining what this was going to do. We said, oh, we got it. We'll sequester our employees. Our employees don't want to be sequestered. They want to be home with their families. Well, of course they do. Yes. I mean, and especially uh, just starting today, and we're recording this on uh, March 30th, North Carolina basically a shutdown. What's that call it? Uh, safe? No. I can't remember the term. Basically, you're supposed to stay stay home. That's stay, it. The stay, stay home, home order. Stay at home order uh, through the end of almost the end of April. So all of North Carolina is in that situation to where, you know, we need to stay at home. Now, I, I mean, people are going to get upset. No, I asked the guys about coming over before this order mm-hmm. was issued and everybody was safe and everything. And we would have stayed apart and everything like that. But obviously now we'll, we'll honor that. We will not get together, which means, Tony, it's another month. That you and I will not get to sit down and uh, play games together. Well, absolutely, and I'm going to miss it. But I know one thing, when all this passes, that basement board game room better be open for a full day throwdown. Oh, yeah. All day long. Now, of course, there was a lot of people that's online uh, really getting excited about playing uh, games digitally, right? You said you just bought the Terraforming Mars Mm -hmm. uh, for the iPad correctly. Uh, Correctly. Correct. So uh, you're going to be possibly playing that online. You're a big fan of Ascension. I have a video that's going to be coming out if it's not already out. It's Mystic Veil for the Switch. So there's these lot of board games, that, apps that are out there now. Plus, you know, the online sites like Yukata, uh, Board Game Arena, Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator. So there's a lot of ways to play games online. And a lot of people are doing that. I unfortunately missed a great segue into a game where Donna and I played because you were talking about Vanessa and you and Vanessa coming on and then I went somewhere else. But I should have segued right into where Donna did the same thing. Now, she is... Not as, uh, I don't want to say generous because she is with the, her time, but from a standpoint of just, she looked at me the other night and she goes, get out of game. Oh, that's, that's the look I get. You, you got that look on your face and they know what it is. Okay. Go find a game. It can't be over 45 minutes. You know, and all, there's all these stipulations. And so, and now I'm afraid to go. I'm so excited. So I'm digging through stuff going. And she said, and you can try one you haven't played so we can talk about it on the show. And I just, I just kind of openly wept right there. Oh yeah. So, well, so with that, we got to play Wonder Woman challenge of the Amazons. And I hope that she's not going to come and review it. So I hope you talk with me. I am so jealous of you playing that game. I saw, uh, Rodney from Watch It Play do a video on that. Uh, who puts it out? I'm sorry. Uh, Ravensburger. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Contacted us and said, hey, would you guys be interested in checking this out? I went to Rodney and I said, all right, dude, you kind of know what I like. Should I check this out? And he went, oh yeah. He said, if you like co-ops, you'll enjoy this game. So I went, yes. And then I went, it never showed up. And I thought, oh, well, you know, they forgot. No big deal. Meanwhile, Tony comes back from his trip and he goes, sweet, I got Wonder Woman to play. So they sent it to you, which I'm excited. So I can't wait to hear what you think about it because it's the card mechanic and stuff sounds really cool. Yeah. And let's, let's, we'll save that so we can get that product in. But then I'm going to also say this about my wife. She goes, let's do a Zoom meeting with our friends that we won't oh. be able to get to see. And they yeah. want to do an, a board game via Zoom. I said, okay, so we were going to do Dizzle. Oh, yes, yes. Did they have the, the paper, though? To- well, I may have scanned it and sent it to them so that okay, they could yep. do that. That's fair. Because uh, what was it? Corinth uh, released on uh, March 30th for uh, 
what is it? Uh, print and play. Print and play. Thank you. Golly, I've been working way too much. P and P. Anyway, so I sent him that, and we got online, and I got the camera set up. I got the dice out. I got my double six dice, which was a Kickstarter from long ago, so it could be pretty well uh, visible to him. And Don's like, "We're gonna play." I'm like, "Okay," but she says, "She goes, remember now, we're gonna catch up with them first." I said, "Okay." So we started at seven. We finished catching up with them at nine thirty. Oh my gosh. Okay, please tell me you were stir-freaking-crazy and you were walking around the table going, please make this end. You know me too well. Yes. Okay, thank you. You had better been on your phone. You better been on your Switch. You had better been reading a book. I was actually processing more work emails. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I appreciate them wanting to. They actually wanted to, but there was a lot of catching up, making sure all the families are doing well. And and she actually... Like your wife, uh, she works for Union County Public Schools, and she was telling us she is nonstop. It's amazing, and I hope everybody takes time and steps away from the keyboard, steps away from working at home, because it can really drain you. And for those of you uh, in the other industries, I hope that you're able to come back to work. It's it's scary times, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't want to put a big black rain cloud on It's scary times. There's a lot of people going through very tough things. A lot of jobs are being affected, but this will end. It may be a year from now. I hope that a year from now we look back and go, wow, that was rough. But we got through it together. The world got through it and we're coming out better on the other side. You know, that's that's my open prayers. But I, I do want to ask you something, Tony, because I talked about playing online. You talk about playing. Well, let me ask you, did you ever get Dizzle played? No, we went to bed. Okay. All right. So do you like playing board games online, like through apps like Yukata and stuff like that? I can't say because I've never done it. Okay, well, what about just Ascension and stuff like that? I mean, I guess you do because you play it a lot. I play Ascension a lot just because it's the same people. I mean, you know, I've got big Rob Rouse playing games with me constantly. Justin Jacobson playing, uh, you know, Dan Patrice from the Geek All-Stars. We all have constantly going. Jimmy Logan's got, gotten in touch with me. He's playing. I believe that Jimmy in. I, it's got Jimmy Logan on the thing. I just remember people's names showing up and, and just a whole lot of people. And I enjoy, and sometimes I'll jump into those for Ascension, but you're right. It's a fast hitting game. So I, yeah, yeah, I think that's my problem. Yeah. I just didn't know whether you would think you'd like sitting there. Like you say you bought terraforming Mars. I mean, would you sit down for an hour and a half with the app and play through a whole game that's synchronously? No, there's no way. So th- that's the thing. So our buddies that are coming on later, Mark and Nate want to get together and do that. And I'm open to do that. For some reason, I don't know, man. It, it, people are getting into this. I'm, I, the uh, Joel Eddy from Drive Through Review says he, he's like six games going on at one time at Yukata. Yukata's another online uh, website for playing board games, okay? But he says he had like six games going on at once. And for some reason, it didn't appeal to me. And so I was thinking today why, and I, I think I know why. And I think it goes back to why I like board games. Uh, number one, it's social. And I know that you and I could be sitting here looking at each other on camera and, and playing a game. It's it's social, but it's not the same as sitting across from somebody. But also, I think the thing is, too, I love the tactile feel of a board game. I love holding the cards and moving the cubes. And as silly as it is, me just clicking a button on a screen is not as satisfying to me. I, I play over the weekend. I played uh, with a friend of mine out in California. I played Marvel Champions on Tabletop Simulator. It worked fine. We got through it and everything, but it wasn't nearly as enjoyable as me playing at lunch day with a coworker. We're an essential business, so we're still open. Leave me alone. Um, so and how were you? What were you doing? Tossing cards across the table at one another? Yeah, we were. We weren't touching any of those, those cards. 
I just enjoy that so much more to the point where instead of me playing board games online, I'm playing a ton of video games right now. Mm. It's like, okay, when I want a board game experience, I want to see the board. I want to touch the board. I want to touch the pieces and I want to see a person. If I'm just there by myself, it's like, I think I'd rather crank up, crank up Doom Eternal, which is phenomenal, by the way. And I've gotten back into Guild Wars 2. Uh, so, which I loaded up on my PC, validated that it will run. So I got a feeling there goes a lot of time suckage for me, but that's okay. <laughs> but I, for me, Marty, I, I, uh, I think the issue is just like I often encounter with any video conference or cell phone call. And what we will have in some of our interviews is you don't have that talking interaction where, Mm -hmm. you know, if you start to say something and here was when it's just you and I, we can pretty well tell when we're both getting ready to talk and we back off. But when you have four people online doing that conversation gets lost, interaction gets lost. And I'll be honest with you. It is probably one of the things that drives me nuts. That's why I don't like talking on cell phones is because I, I just, it, it bothers me. I hate losing that. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's funny that uh, it was like somebody said, you know, wouldn't you at least want to experience the board game since you're not getting to play? And that's where I determined it doesn't matter what the board game is. You know, there's not that many games that I just like, I will not play, that I dislike. I may not, I may have, maybe I play something. It's like, well, I'd rather play something else in the future, but I never really regret playing anything because that's not what I'm there for. It's not the game. It's the people that's there. And I think that kind of, kind of hit me today. Me not being able to play, uh, let's, what's one of my favorite games? Let's say Empires of the North, which I really enjoy right now. It's like, it's not the fact that I can't play Empires of the North because I could do it online. It's the fact that I can't play it with somebody else sitting at a table. So it's not the game. It's the social interaction and the Mm -hmm. environment that it, that it brings that online just does not give me at all. Right. And even though you, we kid about to some extent about me being disengaged in a game, I also find, I mean, I'm always engaged in our game. Let's say it's Ragusa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Clay. Just kidding. So when we're sitting at the table, I think I am a lot more engaged than if I were on a computer, because if I'm on a computer, it is so much easier for me to screen over to our Slack channel or um, go do some emails or process and give a bunch of hearts on Instagram, something like that. So you're already disengaged as it is in some board games. I can't imagine how disengaged you are while playing online. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You may say I'm disengaged, but you know, okay. It's fair. (laughs) Well, that's, that's interesting that, and I feel, (laughs) I feel bad uh, because Nate and Mark said, all right, Thursday night, guys, let's get online and play a board game. And it's like, I, I'll do it because I enjoy their company and stuff. But the idea is like pulling up like a two to three hour board game and sitting in my chair. I don't know that I could do that. I think I could do like a 45 minute Ragusa. And see, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I will put, <laughs> if you put Ragusa on tabletop for 45 minutes, I will sit in this chair for 45 minutes. Now, the nice thing about a lot of the digital games is the fact you can play it asynchronously. So Terraforming Mars, for example, you can take your turn, put it down and come back and take it later. Uh, but the idea of sitting in front of the screen at, at one time, I don't know. A lot of people enjoy it. And, and a lot of people are playing asynchronously. They're not playing through a long stretch, but have multiple games going on at once. But I don't know. Video games have, have surged, man. I don't know if you saw the Steam 
a graph of the number of people who've been playing games of the past weekend has skyrocketed. Animal Crossing came out at the perfect time, Tony. That is the perfect sit-at-home, do-nothing chill game that just came out and Nintendo's making a killing on that. I even reloaded Steam and downloaded Age of Empires 2, which I know that you have. <gasps> yes! Definitive edition? Yes. We gotta play! We gotta play! So that's out there. And then I forgot, this is what has been so long since I've been on Steam, that I have Borderlands, my all-time favorite video game. It's one of my, Zelda is up there now, but Borderlands has always been one of my favorite games. Um, I forgot I bought Borderlands 2. I didn't know I had it. And it was just announced that those are coming on the Switch. Do you have any interest in playing on the Switch? Oh, it's money sunk. I'm done. Okay. (laughs) And the one that's probably going to get me is they announced Bioshock on the Switch, which I never finished all of them. And uh, so I'd like to try that sometime too. So, And I didn't realize I had that on Steam, that I had Bioshock. I'm going through <laughs> all these games. I'm going, when did I buy these? Company of Heroes. When they were $3 on sale at some point in time. Right. And I'm like, um, Half-Life, Half-Life 2. Uh, what's another? Magicka. I'd forgotten about that one. Neverwinter Nights 2 Platinum. I'm like, yep. what the heck? I mean, you got some good stuff on there. And Mark, uh, who's on the Scary Report coming on later, loves Company of Heroes, too. Mm-hmm. We need to, to crank that up sometime and play that. That's fun. So, but, but since we haven't gotten together, I do want to take time. We got to talk about a game. So let me tell you a little bit about Wonder Woman. Challenge oh, of the Amazons. Talk to me because I'm jealous, man. I am really jealous. And I can't wait to hear what this is. All right. So, you know, Wonder Woman, you've already announced that it's a Robinsburger type game and it was a oh man uh let's see if i can prospero hall is the designer okay and it is a co-op game where you are the heroines of and this is where you can make fun of me thermoscura thermos this is where i needed you man this is why i couldn't do a five minute without you yeah yeah i know what you're saying it's the it's the island where the amazons live which you know they are battling their villains, which is Ares, Cheetah, Cersei. Um, mm-hmm. all, it was a Cersei, but anyway, they they have come and they are having to battle them and to keep the island safe. Now this, Mr. DC, I have a question for you. Okay. I thought that island was hidden. It's supposed to be? I, okay. I, I am... <laughs> Wonder Woman is one of those I've read a lot about, but I don't know a lot of the lore. In the mm-hmm. movie, it was hidden. I think it's supposed to be hidden from from the rest of the human race. Right. That's They're, they're protected. And once, right. once you go beyond the bubble, then the bubble doesn't burst. You just can't get back. You can't find it. It's kind of like the, uh, almost like the Bermuda Triangle. It's out there somewhere, which you may not find it again. Yeah, you just have to run into it, which is... Anyway, we don't want to go down that, uh, that rabbit hole. So it is like all co-op games where you have that cube removal. Ah, so it's a uh, pandemic-ish. Exactly. I mean, yep. there's there's five stages to the game, and one of the stages is the enemy advances. So you have a series of where you are going to flip over an enemy threatening card, and it tells you where to put some cubes or a certain bad event's going to occur. And based on the number of players, we'll determine how many cards flip over. S- simple enough. Easy to, okay. easy to understand. I mean, it's barely an inconvenience for you to play. <laughs> It's super easy. It's super easy. I'm sorry. It's, um, yeah, if nobody knows what that reference is from, it's from, uh, oh my gosh, uh, not Honest Trailers. It's um, Pitch Meeting. Pitch Meeting. Pitch Meeting on Screen Rants. Which two days ago, he released a new one for A Quiet Place. 
I have not watched it yet. I will I will do it tonight with Vanessa, but it bugs her to no end. It's like he says the same stuff over and over. It's so and again, funny. if I ever say Vanessa, that's super easy. She just gives me the evil look like, do not Go finish ahead. that statement. <laughs> oh, and by, and just, I know we're squirreling away, but that's okay. This one, The Quiet Place, has been probably my favorite so far, but he has a oh. ton of good ones. It just hit me right. So you'll catch yeah. it. You'll catch it. You'll come back to me on that. So anyway, you've got that. And then this is where we go unique. So next you have the strategize phase. Yeah. So you, five cards are going to be dealt, two are going to be face up, and three are going to be face down. You, okay. you can see the two that are face up, and you and I would be talking back and forth. Well, we're going to go do this. We're going to remove these cubes. We're going to do this kind of action. And the hero cards have various symbols on them that let you remove the cubes, move on the board, do special actions. They have special text with them that come in. Like one card is called Tactics. If you and I play Tactics in the same action slot, there are three action slots. You'll be placing three cards down. So think mech versus minions here. Your program. Okay, yeah, it's like a programming game. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got that. And so if you and I play tactics at the same time, it allows for the powers that are on those cards to be enhanced double. Okay. Or if you play this card in action phase three, it's iconography will double. So you're talking back and forth in the strategize phase. Then you move to the battle plan. That's where you pick up the three cards that were face down, but you can no longer talk to one another. Okay. So think about it like this, Marty. You've got five cards in your hand and you just discussed, I just discussed with you what we're going to do. But the three cards I picked up are better. We're in a battle. Do we do we adjust our battle? Do I not? I, we, we're, we've said something, but this will give me the better chance to go slash Aries' throat. What do I do here? Mm-hmm. So then you have that, okay, well, I'm going to still play these cards, but if I go this out of sequence, then I might mess you up, but I could help us win better. That to me is the best part of this game right there. Oh, that's cool. Okay, you, you see the decision that you have to make? Yep. How tough that's going to be? Do I go out of um, plan? And then once once you're out of the battle plan stage, then you resolve your cards and you do it one at a time. Anybody can go first, but you have to resolve a full card before the next player does his action one. Mm-hmm. And so things can change and adjust. And then once you resolve all the action cards, all the cards get discarded, including the ones that you were held on to. And then the enemy attacks. And there are certain things that may like, if so many purple cubes are in the palace, then the defense of the island drops. Or if there's so many cubes in these locations, then the, then it drops. Ares is very, very easy to beat. Okay. So okay. It's the learning game. The rest of them, we look through the cards. They look to be a challenge. Based on that, I think Vanessa and you would enjoy this new cube removal type game just from what we've discussed on this show for 195 episodes. Yeah. And it's um, one of those things that uh, Vanessa always enjoys co-op games. She like, probably likes those more than head to head. She likes thematic games. Does it feel thematic or is it, is it like, there's a theme there, but you kind of forget it? My answer is you forget it. Oh, it is? Okay. All right. She does like Wonder Woman. So I think just that alone would bring her into it. Now, whether you know whether she would stick with the theme or not, I'm not sure. But Wonder Woman alone would bring her in because she's she's a real big fan of, of her. Yeah, and it's all the heroines that you can do. And each of the heroines has a special ability. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then there are relics that show up on the board that give you like the bracelets or the lasso or the armor or the, so you're, you're getting that to enhance your special abilities. As far as the rules, it's very simple. Uh, like I said, go, if you want more information, go talk to Mar- uh, Marty, go talk to Rodney on YouTube about the 12 minute mark. I looked over and my wife was watching it, so I didn't have to explain it. She had nodded off. <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, unless you're very attentive, he he can't put you to sleep. It's not it's not that his stuff is boring, no. But he he just the way he presents is it's very mellow and everything mm. like that. And it's like if he had background music, which I'm glad he doesn't, I'd be like I'd be out. But I think she was tired. But this is the second time we've watched a watch and played video <laughs> together, and both times I've looked over and she's. She's gone. (laughs) (laughs) So I can't wait to get you this. I can't wait for you and Vanessa to try it. I hope Don and I get one more shot before I get it to you to play a different, um, against a different villain to see if it ramps up because she looked at me, she goes, this was very easy. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, I know it was barely an inconvenience. So I hope it gets harder. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope you get to use that same line with Vanessa. During these trying times, wouldn't it be nice if you could pull a board game off the shelf and when you open that box, everything is so nicely laid out for you that setup takes no time at all. Matter of fact, it is super easy, barely an inconvenience. Okay, I'm gonna stop with the running gag on that. I'm done with that, Marty, I'm no more. The Broken Token has the answer for you. They have all the organizers for your need. Matter of fact, while you're at home, why don't you consider going over to thebrokentoken.com and possibly picking up some organizers. Some of those organizers are almost as good as a 2,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. I'm telling you, it will take up your life for a couple of days putting these bad boys together and getting your game organized. But if that's not enough, they are releasing Untold Journeys Organizer. That's right. That is that Lord of the Rings journey into Middle-Earth game from fantasy flight they have put an organizer out there for you ready to go ready it should be released at the time of this show be sure to go check it out at thebrokentoken.com as i mentioned earlier in the episode my family has been so kind to play games with me not like playing games not only that, they have been so kind to offer to come on and even record with me about playing games. We enjoy coming on and talking. And in this segment, we're going to talk about a game we've been playing a lot, a party game called Half-Truth. All right, let me, let me just say something right there when you said party game. After the first time we played this game, this is the party that I imagine. An episode of Frasier and all of the like uptight people with their ties <laughs> on and, and they're swirling their glass of wine and they're talking about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. I felt like that's where my brain had to be to play this game. I would have, my brain was mush after the first time we played it and I felt so dumb. <laughs> But let me tell everybody, after we've played it now three times, man, you can play this in your PJs, drinking whatever flavor Mountain Dew you want, eating moon pies, and and it works. It works for everybody. (laughs) The wine swirlers and the Mountain Dewers. There you go. 
Woo, that was an intro right there. So, so the game is half truth. And this was a Kickstarter last year. And it's designed by Richard Garfield, who many of you may know as the creator of Magic the Gathering, but also Ken Jennings, who you may know as the famous Jeopardy player who has many, many records to his name. And those two got together to come up with a very clever trivia. It's a trivia game. Trivia game, yeah. yeah. Here's the whole premise. There's a question asked on each card. There are six answers. Three of them are right. Three of them are wrong. Each of you have a set of poker chips, and you're going to assign poker chips to the ones that you think are right, and then you're going to earn points for that. You need to at least assign one poker chip, but you can try to earn victory points by adding more. But what I think is cool about this is not you don't get points for the number that you get right because at the beginning of the turn, a die is rolled, and it's going to be the number of spaces you move on a point track. And once somebody gets to the end of the victory point track, you will score victory points for how long you moved along that track. So the dice tick dictates the number of movements. If you get at least one answer, if you get, no, you have to get them all right. You got to get an answer right in order to move your pawn along the track. But if you want to try to earn extra victory points, you can place an additional poker chip at either the second or third answer and try to earn additional points. There you go. That's how you play it. <laughs> it's it's funny. The game says it's one of those trivia games that doesn't make you feel dumb, but some of the questions make some you feel pretty dumb. dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a trivia game, kind of in name only, because I mean, fun. It's not asking you to know the answers to these questions, right? If you know them, great. But what it's really asking you is to try and know the answers to these. And questions. can you deduce them? Some of the answers you will know from another area. Like, say, I remember there was one question where the question was um, places that took... Uh, uh, places, places in uh, Harry Potter. Places yeah. in Harry Potter. Right. But they intermingled them with places from Lord of the Rings. Which was really interesting because uh, Adam and Vanessa has read all Harry Potter, so they knew that. I had not, but the other three answers were from Lord of the Rings, so a process of elimination. We all got them all right, but they did it because they knew, and I did it because I knew the other answers. Like, that is an example, but there were also other questions. I got the answer right because I knew what I didn't know <laughs> yeah. to play what I know, and that and that's how it, it really messes with you. <laughs> it's a very clever In a good way. setup, yeah, because you can get the right answer by getting the wrong answer, basically. Which makes it interesting. Well, well, that goes into this. You talked about the the die. die. Mm-hmm. So tell a little bit about the different uh, ways you can play according to the die. Well, one of them is a special side. I think you want to talk yep. about is you put down your what you think and which answers you think are wrong, right. and you think what's the big deal about that? Except if you see answers that you know are right, if you at least see at least one answer you know is right. You don't know if the other five are right or wrong, and you got to pick one of the wrong answers. Yeah. But sometimes, like me, you can get the answer right by putting the wrong answer that you thought was <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And it's very cleverly written, too, because it tries to fool you, right? Like it, tries, it tries to play. Well, I'm holding a card right here. It says Metallica songs, right? <laughs> so think of the first three Metallica songs off the top of your head, right? Just three Metallica songs. Right. 
I guarantee you those three you thought of are not the ones on the <laughs> Right. I guarantee you. Were, were they the weight, Prince Charming, and Orion? I'm betting they weren't. But yet that, those are the right answers. It's probably uh, uh, Enter the Sandman. Uh, right. Yeah. Kill them all. You know, it's things like that. So it tries to force you to not know what the answers are. I'm, and you mentioned the, the, the horse. Pick the horses that won the Triple Crown. And it's like, before I even looked at the answers, I went, well, one's going to be Secretariat. None of the six answers were Secretariat. The most obvious one wasn't even on the card. So they're tough. Qu- Some of them are tough questions. Are tough. And you could know the answer to the question, and they just refuse to let you use that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. And they cover a whole gambit from sports to pop culture to history. I remember one of them was, which one of these seven wonders was destroyed by an earthquake how am i supposed to know that i mean it's pretty it's common knowledge (laughs) everyone knows that oh you're a wine swirler (laughs) (laughs) just kidding i did want to say though so we played it and then we pulled it out again i think we played this like maybe four or five times already but we got our younger son brett to play and then his girlfriend was over one night and she played and everybody sits down and starts by saying uh, i'm not going to know anything i'm not going to be able to play this and then by the end of it the, it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost like um just if you have no idea, you're just placing a bet on what you think you might right. know. And that is so much fun. And you learn things with it. it. Exactly. And we did learn things. And the fact is, you even though you have three poker chips you can put out, you only have to put one. You may want to put extras because if you do, you just get an extra victory point for each question you got right. And this is going to take place over three rounds. And at the end of the three rounds, whoever has the most victory points are going to win. But that wasn't really the point. Well, it kind of was because in the end, we were all... Every game was always pretty close. Right, yeah. It was very well balanced. We, we were within five points of each other pretty much every time. M- most games, yeah. So I just said that after you play a game, you learn something. So it is a good time to play now while mm-hmm. we're all at home and practicing our social distancing to play with uh, your family and to, to learn something new. I think that's really exciting and beneficial during this time and with this game. Yeah. But I think it's up for pre-order sometime. It's yeah. not out yet. I've looked online. There's a couple stores have it on pre-order. It says it's going to ship in April. Like I said, I got this through Kickstarter, so I hope it does come to retail soon. It plays two to six players. It has uh, poker chips, which I love poker chips. That's what you use as your uh, token placers. And there's hundreds and hundreds of cards in here. I was worried we were going to get through all the cards and know all the answers. So there are um, six, no, there's five boxes of cards and we've still still yet to finish the first box and we have four more to open. Wow. (laughs) And I presume there's going to be more down the line. Yeah, I mean, they could easily release expansions and maybe they do something like, I'm guessing, they could do focused expansions like sports only or pop culture or history. But I kind of like a mix of things because when you're playing with a different group of people, Somebody who may know sports may not know pop culture and vice versa. Right. Oh, yes, I agree. There, so many topics are covered. Yeah. A really fun trivia game, probably one of the most funs I've had with a trivia game since, gosh, Trivial Pursuit. I don't play that many trivia games anymore, but just because the two people that made it, Richard Garfield and Ken Jennings, I love the idea that 50% of the answers are right, 50% are wrong, and you got to guess which ones are which. And sometimes you do just have to flat out guess and I hope you get it right. And sometimes, I mean, you got a 50% chance. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun guessing. Yep. So that is Half Truth, 
came out on Kickstarter, uh, looking to come out at uh, retail soon. And thank y'all. And I can't wait to see what game we play next and talk about on our next episode as we're still going to be under our social distancing stay at home order. <laughs> Now, typically when we have our scurry report buddies on Mark and Nate, it's because we have just played a game and we want to get their very intelligent insight to the game, which they provide way more insight than what Tony and I do. (laughs) However, we're kind of in this worldwide pandemic right now where it's like, okay, then we don't have a chance to get together and play a game. So what can we talk about instead? And with everything that's going on in the world, the board game industry is just topsy-turvy with so many things going on with, with publishers being delayed and shipments being delayed and cons being delayed. So I wanted to bring these guys on as experts in their areas in order to discuss a couple of things. So first, uh, Mark and Nate, uh, it's good to see you on a hangout. I wish we were sitting around a table, though. Yeah, that would be uh, really nice. I have to agree. Yeah, thanks for having us on, though. At least we get to talk and see each other on video. Yeah, it's, it's still not the same as, as watching Tony get grumpy over, over games. Hey, that should be the next episode we talk about that. But uh, Yeah, maybe so. We'll, we'll say that for a future ne- episode. So, well, 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 I have a question, though. So you said you brought them on for expert opinion. You actually are doing sort of an in-depth review of the impacts of this. And instead of hearing yourself talk to me, you needed someone to respond back, right? Well, I was just trying to be nice. Yeah, because usually in these situations, Tony like doesn't care. And then I'm just doing a monologue for a while. So <laughs> I just want to be able to engage with people. I'm, t- I'm tired of being cooped up in this house, people. I want to talk, all right? He sure made a big deal about somebody not coming to game day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I ain't naming no names. Oh, that was last episode? Did we bring that up? Was yeah, there something I, about I that? think I did hear something about that. Marty, I didn't bring up anything. I simply congratulated Mark on being able to get Mega Moose Con just because it was right behind the fact that Fred decided to call social distancing before social distancing was cool. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It used to be so hipster, but now everybody's doing it. And uh, I'm going back to like hanging out in big crowds now, you know. <laughs> That's right. Just gonna buck the trend. No, I'm just kidding, everybody. No, it's not. Uh, he, oh, he is just kidding. <laughs> but before we get into a heavy discussion, I have two quick uh, issues to discuss with y'all. These are not the oh, heavy boy. topic. So the first one is: What do y'all think about all these game companies? putting all this stuff on sale. This is killing my wallet right now, especially this online stuff. Holy cow, it's hurting. What do you mean the online stuff? You mean like online board game things? Yeah, online board. Like I just picked up Terraforming Mars for $6. I would have never have thought to purchase that, you know? Mm. And then Lord of the Rings CCG is, is $10 for the whole card system on Steam. Or better yet, Asmodee Digital just said, oh, if you don't have these, here are some really great buys. I'm just like... Stop it, y'all. Did you know The Lord of the Rings was on the Switch? Yes, I have the copy, and I need to go up and load it up and see if the DLC has been dropped in price. Okay. Did you know that the Journey to Middle's Earth, which we played with these gentlemen, has a downloadable for $7? I didn't know that there was such a thing. 
Oh yeah. I mean, this is like, uh, doesn't Descent do this guys where they had some DLC? I know Mansions of Madness had that. Yeah. They, Descent and Mansions of Madness both have like DLC scenarios that you can just download, which is awesome. I think. Yep. Just kind of extends the playability of the game. In fact, shoot journeys of middle earth announced there's going to be a big expansion, big box ex- expansion come on later this year, which I thought Tony was probably going to be really interested in. I am very interested in it. Now, my second question is I did some barbecuing this weekend on my fake egg. What, why are my coals <laughs> going out? I just don't understand. Why are your coals going out? Yeah. The, the coals, the, um, charcoal, you're not giving them enough air evidently. Yeah. Well, if I give it too much, then the heat gets too hot. I need to talk to our barbecue master, Steve, and find out what's going on here. But I'm just like, I've spread them out so that the fat wouldn't drip on them and put them out. It's a dilemma. Listeners, please help me out. Because I know you don't care about the board games, but you do care about us talking about food. Yeah, the egg problem, that's definitely a Steve problem, I think. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah we have our good buddy here that uh he's the one that brings us all the uh the barbecue for our barbecue that happens around halloween each year so he's a barbecue pit master and he could definitely answer your question are you going to hold that this year or are you canceling it why would i cancel it it's in october everything's getting canceled which ties us back to what we're talking about oh look at you look wow. at that segue well, right well there segue. wow well played sir yeah well actually speaking of events like that one reason why we want to have mark on and we've talked about this before uh mark runs quarterly gaming events called moose con but more importantly or or, or or a bigger event that he runs is in the uh uh, September timeframe, which is called Mega Moose Con, which is, you know, a, a small con of around two to 300 people. And uh, Mark, I brought you on because a lot of the discussion that's going on right now is like, well, should, should we have Origins? Should we have Gen Con? You've already canceled some other cons like UK Gaming Expo was delayed. Come On's Expo was, it was just canceled. It wasn't even postponed. And mm-hmm. like right now on Facebook, I was looking today. There's like people posting every day. Origins, are you canceling or not? Are you canceling or not? It's irresponsible. You should cancel. And they keep going, hold on, guys. We're going to make a decision by May 1st. I mean, they have said, and I'm fine with what, what they come out with. They said on May 1st, that's it. We're going to do no go, no go. It's either on May 1st, we're going to say we're going to have it or we're not going to have it. And that's when we're making the decision. I don't know. That gives people a month and a half. And I, I mean, I think that's fair. So, but let me ask you, it's like people wanting to decide right now, but there's, there's some consequences to just upright and canceling a con, correct? Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, like obviously I can only speak to my situation, but I imagine contracts are probably, you know, at least similar. So, uh, in my situation, if you're going to go with the, the origin situation, that's 45 days out. If I go 45 days or less then I own the convention, which means I get no refund whatsoever. When you book a convention, you have to put a deposit down. Uh, it would usually be about, uh, you know, maybe 10% of what you're, uh, actually, you know, going to pay in the end. Also, then you have to, at a certain point in time, you have to pay the full amount of the venue. For my situation, at 90 days out, I have to pay the full amount of the venue in addition to my deposit. I can cancel up to 90 days out and I lose nothing. Okay. And one thing to keep in mind now, Origins and Gen Con and that kind of thing, they're they're a little bit different because they are a company, more or less, or a corporation. I mean, I have a quote-unquote company, but in general, it's just me. I'm fronting the money to do the convention. You know, I'm kind of putting myself out there for it. So then it, uh, at 
90 days, you know, if I were to cancel within 90 to 60 days, then I lose half my security deposit, but I get all the money for the venue back. If mm. uh, between 59 and 45 days, I would lose uh, half of my total room rate. So I would lose the deposit and half of the room rate. And then from 45 days on, it's it's my convention. So that plays into a lot of times when when these conventions are going to make a decision whether to cancel or not, because it will depend on when they can get their money back and when they can make it hurt themselves the least. Now, all of these places, they're doing it because they want to have the convention. So they're going to try to drag it out as much as they can. But there's only so much you can do. You know, you can only take so much of a loss. I think a lot of the attendees, though, are like, look, I need to book airlines. I need to, you know, the, the hotel situation should have already been taken care of because most of the hotels are sold out now. But like airlines and everything. And six weeks out isn't a lot of time because usually people want to book airlines earlier than that. And I don't know if either you, Mark, or, or you, Nate, can answer this is. The vendors that are going, the publishers, don't they have to make some sort of calls early on? It's like, we're going to go, we're going to not, we're going to have to ship product there to be there to sell, etc. You know, I would imagine, yes, is the, the simple answer to that. But I can't answer that so much because we only have small vendors. Our vendors are all generally local people uh, who come to our convention. You know, if you look at these big conventions, uh, like Gen Con, for example, I mean, they have truckloads of stuff coming in and you don't just arrange that on the fly. So in that aspect of it, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe people need more time than that. You know, uh, you can and you talk about flights. I mean, most of the time people want to know way ahead of time for their flights because you can get the best deals if you book early. Right now, I don't really think that's a problem. <laughs> that's yeah. true. You know, I mean, you you can get a cheap flight to go anywhere. Uh, it's just, do you really want to go? Well, a couple of places have already said that there a couple of vendors said they're not going to be at Origins. One of them is uh, Tabletop Tycoon. Well, Starling Games is one of them, but I think the overall is like Tabletop Tycoon. Anyway, he said that uh, their company's not going to be there. And WizKids, who has their big, big Hero Clicks tournament every year at Origins. I mean, there are hundreds of people there coming in there for that. Has already said they're canceling the event and they won't be there. And if you've ever been to um, Origins, they take up a big space in the hall. And that place is packed for four days straight. Well, I think that'll play a lot into it also. And I think you can see that with the uh, with the Olympics, right? I mean, they were going to have the Olympics, going to have the Olympics. But then I think some countries started backing out and saying, y'all can have the Olympics all you want. We're not sending people. We're just not coming. So if you get enough of that, then you diminish the show to a point that you don't want to have it or you're afraid people will show up and they'll be disappointed in the what's left of the show that you have, you know? Yeah, at some point it's better just to cancel than to have half of an Origins, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's probably a break-even point, right? They're probably knowing it's like, we must have X number of turnstiles uh, in order to to make money. So that may be part of the thing too. They may be looking, it's like, okay, how many tickets have we sold? Is anybody asking for refunds? And then that'll be part of the decision. Well, that's probably not the main driving force. It's probably going to be, how is this thing still going on? Do we think that in June, will Columbus be safe enough for 20,000 people to assemble? Yes, I agree. And, and I think the break even point is something to probably consider. But the problem with that is unless you're going to cut off your refunds, I mean, unless you, and some conventions do, some conventions from the start say, once you pay us, that's it. You're not getting your money back. I don't do that. But if, unless you cut your uh, refunds off, then you could get to the 
the day of the show or the day before show week before the show. And then all of a sudden people decide it's too dangerous and then they pull their money back and then you're left with not enough money that you thought you were going to have to pay for the, the venue or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I think that could play into it also. Also, I got a bomb dropped on me last night, almost by uh, accident. Hold okay. on, hold on, hold on. I get to say something now. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, Tony's still there. Sorry, oh, sorry. Hi, he was, he, he's off his phone now. Boom. There you what go. In the world. <laughs> it was Thank a bomb drop. Can can we really spring for some sound effects? I mean, oh my. Is God. it really that can much? I spring, can I spring for a new co-host? <laughs> oh wow. Hey, I've been trying. I've been trying for six months, and <laughs> nobody wants this job, <laughs> especially at this pay. And I was actually surprised it was just kind of by happenstance that I found it out. But I'm on BGG. And my Mega Moose account, uh, I have I subscribed to a convention forum, and I seen a little note in there that said tabletops events. I forget what the whole thing was. It was basically having problems. So I go to their site and tabletop events. If you're not familiar with it, a lot of conventions, including myself uh, last year, uh, run their conventions from tabletop.events. It's an excellent site. Whoever has put this together has done an, uh, a great job at making a comp- comprehensive convention website okay so you go on there and they have said that basically they came out and said we have to stop on may the 1st we we just don't have any money because the way they make their money is when someone buys a badge from me i get the money for the badge say they buy a weekend badge it's 35 dollars tabletop event gets i don't have the figures in front of me but they get a dollar 50 and the credit card company gets two dollars and 50 cent so what happened was all these conventions started canceling and when they did people started asking for refunds well when they refund that money that dollar and 50 cent the tabletop events was getting from everybody started zapping right out of their bank account so not only did did it destroy their revenue stream coming in because people weren't buying convention badges it also took the money that they had and sapped it out because everybody was getting refunds they said we have to shut down now they're doing a little fundraiser event right now so if anybody's listening or as of today you know today's the March, March, 30th. March 30th. So I don't, I don't know how long it's going to be going on. You can go there and support them if you would like to, but they've said basically we, we have to get some form of revenue in order to keep operating. But does that mean the credit card companies also got zapped? They would have gotten zapped for those tickets. Yes. Okay. You would have got your service fee back, but the credit card companies are much bigger and able to weather (laughs) of course they can a lot better than these uh i mean tabletop events said that they they basically right now they just have two people working one is like a programmer guy to fix any bugs and then an administrator you know they said we've gone to bare bones but still to keep it running we had to pay server fees we have to pay different type of things and and it costs money and so i don't know i'm I'm interested to see how it's going to go and i hope they can get help because they're they're great they're a wonderful site i do have a contingency plan because last year was the first year that i've used them so i can just drop back on what i've done before but yeah that's that was kind of a uh, unseen casualty to to all of this yeah and we're going to get into it a little bit later too is just the unseen casualties that we're talking about that might happen 
uh, because of this. Now, the reason why Nate's on is because Nate's a designer. Uh, we've talked about some of his uh, games before. I know we, uh, one of his bigger games, uh, uh, people may know of, is Sunday Split that came out uh, from Renegade Games. And and Nate, so what's happening now? A lot of these publishers are like, you know what? We um we're having to we're having to shut down. We're not we're not able to deliver games and anything like that. Uh, you as a designer who wants to pitch games or you want to play test games, this is putting you in an odd situation too. And I just speaking from a designer side, how is how is all this stuff affecting you guys that are trying to bring product to the table? Yeah, it's definitely affecting us at like all all kind all three levels really. So on the design side, like you mentioned, playtesting, a lot of that's face to face playtesting. A lot of design communities, and I've even tried uh, playtesting online digitally, uh, and it works. It serves a purpose, but it's not it's no replacement for face to face playtesting. And so. Playtesting is really where a bulk of the time and energy is spent in designing games. And so if that's paused throughout the country, you can imagine there's going to be a lag in fully developed, fully fleshed out games. Through however long we're paused, that's going to be paused too. <clears throat> and then you also mentioned like pitching uh, without conventions. That's usually where mo- almost all games are signed. And so without those, you're going to have a big lag in unsigned games. And then designers are going to have a big backlog of games they think they need to sell that they're unable to. And then, you know, it kind of goes throughout the life cycle of games. So publishers, uh, the factories maybe have shut down for a little while. So they're going to have uh, orders in at the factory that are backlogged now. Product that's already partially completed or completed may not make it to market for a while. And so I just feel like there's going to be a big log jam at, at all levels kind of waiting for the pause button to be hit again. You, now, Nate, you have a normal job. I don't mean this bad. How would I, how should that phrase this? Nate, you are employed through another stream, but what <laughs> about those uh, designers who maybe try to make their living at this? Yeah, I can. I mean, it's already an incredibly tenuous proposition to make a living based on game design. If, if you do that, generally that falls into like two categories. You either have an evergreen evergreen title like Matt Leacock with uh, Pandemic, mm-hmm. or uh, you try to sign as many games as possible throughout a year and try to build up a library. Getting 50 trickles actually might end up being a revenue stream that could support you. And so if you're that latter type of designer who's counting on signing a couple of games a year that do okay, I can't imagine you know how that's going to fare with them. Those guys... It's kind of like the smaller publishers and the designers who don't have an evergreen are going to kind of be squeezed out of the market potentially. And you just mentioned, um, well, we mentioned on a few shows back that you were on, what was that show, Marty? Ugly Frank, Ugly Joe. What was it? Angry Joe. Angry Joe. That close. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> Ugly Frank. <laughs> yeah, you were close. <laughs> So uh, anyway, your Silver River that was just came out was on that show. And so now that's popularity. And then boom, this hit. Do we need more sound effects with boom? Or are we good? We're good. I think we're good. Okay. So from that standpoint, <laughs> do you think that's going to hurt Silver River? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Silver River is a game I've been working on for three years or so. And it unfortunately released to the backers uh, right before this pandemic hit. And Releasing games is all about timing and hype and marketing. And so hopefully people will just have it sitting on their shelves and be dying to play it whenever this is unpaused. But I can't, you know, I can't 
help but think that it's definitely going to hurt the release of any games that happened prior to the pandemic hitting. Right. Uh, you, you've got all this momentum built up into it. Here's a show talking about it. And then all of a sudden, put the brakes on. Yeah, I mean, and he did get like, I mean, there was a week or so there that it, I mean, it was getting good buzz because I was catching it on Facebook here and there and, you know, people, I got my copy and, you know, playing it and this is such a good game and I, I was really happy with the way it's going. But yeah, it's it's been kind of rough. Yeah, now all the messages I've gotten and questions are about solo mode. So, <laughs> well, that's good. Wasn't that good. a stretch goal? Didn't you have a stretch goal on that? Uh, we included that. We have two solo modes for free, actually, but uh, that was included in the base game. But thank goodness, because without that, we, we'd be dead in the water, probably. Well, let's go ahead and, and take this down to the consumer level, because like you said, everything is hit pause. And the amount of things that's hit pause is just insane. For example, here in the U.S., two very large distributors, Alliance and ACD, has pretty much said, in April, we're shipping nothing. We're shipping nothing out of our doors. Many or most local game stores are closed or providing like curbside service. Now here in North Carolina, I can think of three decent sized game stores that basically whose doors are closed right now. They can even do the curbside service anymore, which they had uh, thought about. So here's a distributor that even if they could get games on the shelves, you couldn't go in there and, and buy a game. And now you're hearing like FFG just today announced that there will be no releases in April and all of these other companies are going, there will be no release. It's like April is just like pause, just stop. And we just have to wait 30 days and then hope something that picks up. So on the consumer side, I know I've kind of talked to you guys before off to the side, you kind of have a different take. I think this is going to hurt overall. I think number one, I think the local game stores are going to really be hurting because I was watching a video the other day from a YouTuber called alpha investments and this is a guy who used to be in uh, the financial markets. He made a lot of his money off that. But in 2008, when the market almost cr it was crashing, he got out and started selling magic. So the guy's been selling magic for like 12 years. And he makes his living basically off buying thousands and thousands of boxes of magic. He has a store down in Florida. He has a big YouTube channel. And I just watched his latest video yesterday. And he said, he, he talks to all the distributors. And he said, the distributors have told him that there are some stores that the distributors have talked to. He said, we will not make get through this. They said, our doors are probably closed for good. And I'm wondering, are we going to see that with other game stores across the country or the world? I think we definitely will see that. Just like you're, you're going to see in every industry across the board, basically right now, uh, except for maybe healthcare, you're going to see people, you know, places that maybe weren't as healthy as other places, you know, that were running on the ragged edge anyway, were doing the best that they could anyway. And this is just going to shock them into getting out of business. I mean, I think that's really unfortunate. And, and I really hate to see any local game store uh, go under because they're usually just, you know, one guy or a guy and his wife or something like that. And uh, I really like to see the local places make it. What I was going to try to say earlier is that I, w I was real happy to see, and, and this is kind of a uplifting story from all of this, is the number of people trying to help people out. I, when I was on BGG, one of the things that I saw on there was that they will allow local game stores to go on BGG and list their entire inventory in the BGG marketplace. 
so that people can buy games from them and charge them nothing. No commission. They usually charge like 3% commission. There's no commission. There's no anything. They said, fill out this form, list your inventory, we'll help you sell just so you can keep making it. So I I thought that was a a great story and a great way for them to help give back to this community. I actually just saw that uh, Portal and some other publishers are doing something like that. I may have the numbers wrong, but it was like, you can go and buy a game from their store online for 25% off. Mention your local game store, and they'll give them 25% of the sale back to the store to try to help them out. Yeah. And I think that that's really cool because, I mean, local game stores are paying rent. I mean, they're, they're paying, they're going to be paying taxes on the inventory that's just sitting there and they can't even move it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I hate, even with um, like regular people, you know, it just seems like people always want their rent. <laughs> just, you know, that that part doesn't seem to stop, even though everything else might. So one thought without trying to seem callous is I do think you're going to see some smaller businesses pinched out and that includes local game stores. But on a certain horizon, the demand is still there for those stores to be there in their communities if they were in a in the right space and had the right business idea to begin with. So you would think even if those disappear a year later, maybe two years, who knows, those are going to pop back up in some form, right? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And I don't follow politics just because I don't follow a lot of anything, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) No politics, no games, no lawnmowers. I keep up with lawnmowers. I keep up with the lawnmowers and latest trends there. Uh, So in the United States, the $2 trillion or whatever just passed and small businesses get X amount. Yes. Would not a game store qualify for that? And I know this is, we just lost any international audience, but what I'm saying is, why would you not be able to do this? Now, I'm going political, and I'm sorry. I don't think that's political. I think they can. I think there is some sort of stipulation for small business to apply for either like a no no interest loan or something like that. To help a, a completely forgiven loan. Okay, it's forgiven. If you keep your employees oh. employ, uh, employed during this time, oh. we will help okay. you meet payroll and then... Pff, we're done. So, Marty, I would like a salary from rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> hey, can I get in that too? We only pay in moon pies. Oh, <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. And, and hopefully that will help. But, you know, you're talking about other industries and stuff. There's a uh, uh, there's a YouTuber I watch who keeps up with the comic book industry. And uh, Diamond Distributors is the main comic book distributor. Main, if not the only one in the U.S., is basically also shutting down for April. And uh, he, they're saying that comic book stores will just disappear. It, it's like comic book stores are already hurting. That's a whole different thing than, than board games. But comic book stores are already hurting. And it's like this is really going to put many, many, many comic book stores out. So I hope the local game stores can make it. And I will say that if we, not if, when we get through this and your local game stores open back back up, I understand people have to pinch pennies themselves, but if you can go help them out, instead of buying you know, a, a, an expansion or a small game or something or any game from Amazon, and I'm guilty of this too because I want to save money, go throw a few bucks to your local game stores because they're hurting now, and uh, they're going to need your help, which leads to the next thing. So we, we will come out of this on the other end. How do you think the industry is going to be affected overall? Do you think it's gonna, just going to bounce back where it was, or... Are people like going to be, I've got money, I got to spend, I got to go? Or it's like, wow, that was really rough. I need to kind of tighten the wallet for a little bit longer. And then we're still going to have to spend a few months growing back to where it was before. 
So for first thing I want to reach, uh, speak to that is tighten the wallet. What do you have, a leather pouch with leather strings or something? <laughs> <laughs> or zip it, because I actually have one of those fanny packs. That's where I keep my money. Well, Man my, purse. Man purse, yeah. Well, mine's got the little uh, Velcro sound that goes... Oh, I love those from the 80s. That was the best wallet ever. Uh, me too. Had that uh, the nylon. Oh, man, that kept oh, yeah. stuff That was secure. the good stuff. But uh, to your point, Marty, I think, yes, I think people will, we will all look at how we spend our entertainment dollars moving forward. See what at the flip side, the come out on the other end, looks like for us by the end of the year, maybe the worldwide economy will get churning again and we will be able to go out and back board games. Now, I'm also curious on how this will impact Kickstarter. From what I understood, Kickstarters are actually down. I, I read an article the other day that says your average Kickstarter is down, which makes sense right now. I'm, I like, I'm surprised that this, as of this recording, tomorrow, Frosthaven, uh, the follow-up to Gloomhaven, is going to be launching. And I honestly thought Isaac may wait. I'm sure it'll still do well, but I'm wondering, would it have done better if you waited like another month? I, you know, Ankh is getting ready to come out from Come On, which is a very popular game. So anyway, I, I asked a question. I didn't give Nate and Mark a chance to answer. So what, what do you think this, when we come out the other side, what do you think it's going to look like? First thing to kind of recognize, I think, is it's going to be difficult. to. It's not like a war is ending or anything. I think it's going to be kind of a slow transition out of this. But whenever everyone feels comfortable going out and resuming their lives and going to stores and stuff. I think it's going to be gangbusters. You know, people are going to be feeling good about life. There'll be all this pent up demand for services, goods, and especially for reconnecting with people. And I, I think whenever the all clear is given, basically like things are going to go, it's going to go nuts. It's going to recover very quickly once that all clear is given. Now that may take a while, you know, maybe it's a couple months before people feel comfortable again. That's my take on it. And that goes for the amount of games coming out, how much money is being spent on games, both at the stores and online, kind of all across the industry. So I'll I'll revise my previous thoughts on this just a little bit uh, because I was basically along the same same lines as Nate. I do think there's going to be a glut of games basically that are going to come out. I think the longer we go through this, it's going to take a little longer to recover from it. And I think that's going to affect how people or how quickly people come back to spend their money. Now, what I do think is I think the stores will probably rebound quicker than maybe other parts of the industry because people are going to want to get together. They're going to want to see other people face to face. So I think the sort in that instance, it may be good that the stores will rebound a little bit quicker than other parts of the industry. Um, but I think it may take just a little while for people to get caught back up on their bills and to get back in a position because we have to remember we are, we are a luxury item, right? We're, we're a mm-hmm. hobby. We're a luxury item. So we kind of, the games go to the bottom of the barrel as far as where you have to spend your money. And I also think that uh, I had a thought and I can't remember totally what it was right there. Oh, yeah, here's what it was. <laughs> so now publishers, you know, if so, okay, we're not shipping anything or anything like that, but we have some stuff in, in the pipeline. I think there's even more pressure on them and especially the smaller guys. It's like, I know everybody dreams of that evergreen, right? But I think they're going to like, you know, well, we're going to release five games in the calendar year, it looks like we're only going to be able to release like three of those five. Now the pressure's on. Which of those three is the one that we're going to th- think bring us the biggest bang for our buck? 
Now, as a consumer, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I'm for this sounds horrible. I know. I'm such I'm such a privileged person. I'm for less games. <laughs> uh, because I hate to see all these other games that just come out and just totally forgotten. It's like there's a lot of work and sweat behind those that just don't get the res- recognition that there's so because there's so many of them. So I almost wish there was a little bit of shrinking of the number of games that are coming out so that those that are out can really shine. My opinion is either way, whether it's less games or more games, the quality of games should go up because you have you know, more, I guess, time to develop things, more time to work on things, better ideas are coming to the surface. So if you kind of think about if you squeeze a year's worth of games into six months, you know, all the good games that come out in those six months, you're going to see an effect like that, I think, coming up. That You know, whether that means fewer games, like some of the worst games get squeezed out or not, I'm not sure. I'll say from all the games that are being worked on currently, I expect every one of them, based on the current situation to have a solo play that I can discover on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. I mean, honestly, why not? You should be, you're going to be sitting there like, like Nate just said, it's tough to do play testing. Well, I guess I'm going to have to play with myself. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I only wish that, you know, I had a uh, rebellion video so I could figure out how to play it with my wife. You know, there's something that's been teased after this comes out. Maybe something will have happened. We'll see. But, uh, Two more days. Yeah. So that, Two more that, days. That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, to, uh, Rodney's been teasing something in a couple of days, which happens to be oh, I don't know, April first. So uh, we'll, we'll by this time this is dropped, people will know what what that was. But as, as at this point, we don't we don't know. Not that there's a silver lining to any of this, but I will say about this uh, self quarantine isolation and all, I we don't have to deal with all the stupid stupid April first stuff. I've always ha- I've always hated that. No, it will be there even more so because people's going to be putting hey, all the websites will still come out with their junk guaranteed. It will be as big as ever. Yeah, people have more time, which means more junk yep. on the internet. Yep, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Okay, Nate. Yep, you're right about that. All right, guys. So there we go. I think we solved everything. I think yep. we've determined what's going to be going on with cons, what's going on with publishers and designers. We understand totally how the consumer market's going to react once this is all over. So uh, I don't know. Is there anything else to add to that? Nope, we solved it all. No, you did. You still have not solved why my charcoal is going out in my egg. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We told you to put more air to it. Lack of oxygen. And then if you have a different problem, come back to us after you figure that out. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, Tony, it takes three things to start a fire, right? It's a triangle. You're missing one of the three. The vents are open. Everything is there. I just, oh, it's hard. It's, it's a mystery, and I, and I know I'm doing something wrong. Maybe it's because it's a pseudo egg and not a real egg. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're right, Mark. I absolutely think you're right. The real, maybe the real one works better. That's why everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the price on those things, and I don't blame you for getting the pseudo egg. <laughs> yeah, those things are expensive. All right, guys, uh, who knows? Uh, I know for here in North Carolina, we're shut down for another month. So maybe you guys can come back on again in the future. We'll talk about something else, but I can't wait for the day where we're sitting at the store or sitting around Mark's game table in his house and playing another game and recording a scary report face to face. Yeah. I mean, all my, all my snacks are getting stale, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Thanks for having us. And there is a expiration on Coke zero and hopefully next time we're together, we can have a more uplifting fun filled discussion. Yeah. That'll be awesome. No, this was fun filled, but not uplifting. 
If you're like us and most of the rest of the world, you're probably stuck at home looking for something to do. Well, Portal has something for you because they have provided some free content for you to download and enjoy. First, they've prepared a free case, Detective Suburbia. And if you go to their website at portalgames.pl slash en or what is it, Tony? Portal Games, U- Portal Games US? PortalGamesUS.com. That's right, Marty. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, they have a free uh, scenario for you to run and detective. And they also have three fun and challenging solo scenarios for Empires of the North. So if you have the Empires of the North game, you can download and get some solo scenarios. Or if you're a big fan of Nurishima Hex, you can download a very cool and thematic plot board for Sand Runners, which has some additional rules. Or if you want to, he has provided the sheets for the Imperial and Settlers roll and write so that you can download and print those off yourself. Or if you want something else, there's also some content for Predator Porter. Tony, on this one page, he has presented all this free stuff that you can go download. Some of it you do need the base game. Others you don't need anything. Just get it printed out and enjoy. And to find out more, you can go to, what is it, Tony? PortalGamesUS.com. During this time of self-isolation, one type of game that I see playing a lot, whether it be with, with your family indoors or online, are RPGs. And anytime we talk about RPGs, I always have one or both of my sons on because they're the one with the experience. Today, Adam is joining me back for another uh, little RPG review. Mm, good to be back. Yes, thank you. Now, last year, Adam, all right, we had a big episode dedicated to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which came out around Gen Con. Right, and uh, that was a, a pretty expansive episode, if I recall. It, it, it was, because that was a, it was a big deal. That was a brand new version of Pathfinder. And of course, since then, they've started releasing supplements. And just recently, Paizo set us a brand new supplement that, Adam, you've been digging into. And won't you tell the audience about it? I have it right here in front of me. It's called Lost Omens, Gods, and Magic. And it's one of the supplements that they put out for second edition. They've actually come out with a lot of supplements like a lot for the first year of its its lifespan like th- this they've made it clear that they're they want to put out a lot of content for this edition mm-hmm. uh so one thing that rpg players like to ask themselves when they look at a new supplement or need to ask themselves when they look at a new supplement is does it benefit more the player or the dm mm. right there are some supplements out there that are hard dm books and a player is going to find no use of it now i mean obviously for me i in my career as an rpg player i've done both GMing and playing. So any mm-hmm. any supplement I look at, I, I feel like is valuable to me. But if you're one of those people who have never GM before, there's actually a lot of people out there like that who have only ever played. You obviously don't want a book that's geared towards GM. So that being said, this book is actually both. Okay. All, all that to say, it is good for yeah. both. No, it is good for both. And it's not a very thick book. 130 pages, okay. including tables. So it's not long at all. And Paizo has done a great job of making the information in here applicable to both GMs and players. And as a matter of fact, there's, um, so just to say what the book is, it goes over just the different gods that they've written for this setting. Now, obviously it's an RPG. 
it's Pathfinder. You can call them whatever you want. You can do whatever. So, I mean, I, the information in any supplement is malleable. And that's something I like to remind people because you don't have to follow it to the letter. And Paizo doesn't expect you to do that either. RPGs are always suggestions, mm-hmm. always. But they have a lot of good rules in here. And going back to the the DM player relationship in this book, they have, say, if you flip to the page for any of these particular deities, they have a list of boons and curses that can befall a player should they, if they are devoted to this particular deity, earn their favor or earn their scorn, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their actions in the game. And it is up to the GM to determine whether or not they've done that, but the consequences are for the player. So that's kind of the way the book is set up, where they, there's this give and take of what the GM decides versus what the player experiences. And I think that's really good because it means it's valuable for both GMs and players. Now, when when as a player, are you supposed to pick a god you you worship or follow anything like that or it depends on your class if you're a cleric yes you must okay uh if you're any other class or a paladin some kinds of pat well sorry champion in second edition (laughs) champions in second edition um some classes will stipulate you have to pick a deity and others not but you still have the option to no matter what and if you do then that's what this book is for it introduces a list of rules for the deity you've pledged yourself to and what kind of benefits or um, consequences you'll incur as a result of that. And even if you didn't, the uh, the GM could also just introduce in the storyline, it's like, you know, you found a temple of such and such. Yeah, of course. And I, I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush here. This is broadly fluff. Like, I, right. I would say it's about <laughs> 70 fluff to 30% crunch. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah, I like that as a player. I love fluff because it gives me lots of ideas and inspirations as a game master to kind of go with and stories. But there's also plenty, plenty of rules too. I know Travis was excited because it introduces a lot of new domains. It has a whole, obviously this is Pathfinder, so they introduce like a whole subsection of brand new spells uh, for divine spell casting. Um, there's new items, there's new abilities. So there's plenty of rules content in it, even though I would say it's mostly fluff on just each of the different deities and philosophies in their setting that they've written. And just for those who maybe played the first edition Pathfinder, are these uh, gods that were in there or are these new ones or a mixture of both? Mixture of both. They have all of the ones from the original Pathfinder that you will recognize, be familiar with. Uh, I rem- I recognize a lot of these actually from the Pathfinder card game. Because okay. if you'll recall, <laughs> they had the cards that they'd play where it'd be like blessing of so-and-so. Yes. They had their little icon. And I recognize all of them in here. But I, I mean... I, can, I don't know how many that is, but they've added dozens more on top of that. So it's a lot of content in this 130-page book. And just out of curiosity, what is the price point of this book? This book comes in at $35. Okay, $35. Hardcover, 130 pages. Yeah, and that, and if you get it online, you, you'll probably get it cheaper. Yeah, okay. I think that's a pretty good price for this, honestly. And uh, I think the next big book we're looking forward to coming out at Gen Con is the... The Advanced Player's Guide. That's the big one. That's probably the most... It's the supplement I look forward to most after the release of an initial core rule book is the advanced player's guide, especially for Pathfinder because they add a couple classes, one of which is my preferred class to play as. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do with second edition. Well, that's great. So we'll hopefully get a copy of that. Have you back on then. Like I said, if you're looking for something to do, uh, they also sent us a, uh, a little scenario book. It's called, yep. it's called Extinction it. Curse. The show must go on. Um, this is a, this is a thick book for a, a, just like a campaign you do. Um, very detailed, lots of information in there. No new rules, obviously, cause it's a campaign, but still very, 
Very nice. Yeah. So if you uh, don't want to write your own story, everything, they also do give you little supplements to kind of help you out. And shoot, it says right here, part one of six. Oh my gosh. I didn't I even look on the spine. <laughs> it says part one of six. So wow. it could go on for a while. And Paizo's great at this. They publish scenarios and stories constantly, and many of them are free. This mm-hmm. one's not because it's you know published in a book, but they, they'll publish adventures and one-off scenarios for free all the time. Well, there you go. That is uh, Pathfinder. Lost Omens, Gods and Magic. Gods and Magic out now. If you, uh, Adam suggests uh, it's probably a good little supplement to have around. It's a great supplement to have around, particularly if, one, you play a cleric or a paladin, to you or champion or champion say champion sorry a paladin's <laughs> a subsection of champion in second edition uh if you play a class that is big on its deity it's very involved there or if you're a gm who really wants to run a scenario involved with a church or uh, any sort of religious organization it's very very good for that not even if you're not doing it in pathfinder's setting right all right adam thanks no problem For some reason, along with lawnmowers and squirrels and stuff, we ended up talking about soft drinks. I don't know why. We ended up getting a Coke Zero and Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. What just so happens this past weekend, Vanessa brought into the house a brand new flavor of Mountain Dew called Frostbite. And it's like a berry flavor sort of thing. And and, and last week, Vanessa brought in one of the, the boys' favorite flavors, Mountain Dew Baja Blast. And I started thinking, Tony, do you realize how many flavors of Mountain Dew exist? I did not realize the number that exists. Now, I've done Frost. Or I think it was Frost. What'd you say? Frostbite? Frostbite just now came out this month. Because I've, I've done Code Red which I enjoy. Yep. I've never done Mountain Dew Ice, which is basically Sprite with a whole lot of caffeine. But I don't understand. Why so many Mountain Dew flavors? There's not like a thousand Coke flavors or a bunch of Pepsi. Why do they tick pick Mountain Dew and say, okay, we're just going to make a bunch of different flavors. And there's so many of them. Listen to this. This is the current flavors of Mountain Dew that's available right now. Here we go. Mountain Dew, caffeine-free Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Code Red, Mountain Dew Livewire, Mountain Dew Pitch Black, Mountain Dew Baja Blast, Mountain Dew Game Fuel, Mountain Dew Voltage, Mountain Dew Real Sugar, Mountain Dew Whiteout, Mountain Dew Electric Apple, Mountain Dew Solar Flare, Mountain Dew Spike Lemonade, Mountain Dew Dew Ice, Mountain Dew Sweet Lightning, Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. And that's not even counting the ones that's being discontinued. That's the ones they currently have. That's ridiculous. And to be honest, I haven't tried them all. Some I have and some I didn't really like, but I agree with you. And are they trying to make sure that the caffeine that's in a Mountain Dew can also be to your other taste? Maybe people didn't like the, the what is it? The, I don't want to call it the green flavor. I don't know what even flavor that is. Well, again, I don't understand why they everything's attached to it. Does Mountain Dew have that much of a, a seller or a brand? It's like, we'll just tack on something to the end of it and people will try it. I mean, you don't see like Sprite Dew Ice, or that wouldn't make any sense. You don't see like Sprite White Out or Sprite Electric Apple. No, but you do see it in Gatorade. But Mountain Dew's a flavor. Mountain, I mean, Gatorade's not a flavor. It was Gatorade, then there's a flavor associated with it. But Mountain Dew was always a flavor. But then they added this. I don't, I don't know. I was just very confused. And then when I actually went and looked up how many flavors of Mountain Dew there are, I was just really surprised. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize there were that many flavors either. But now it's got me wondering, are they trying? I, I, when I go into Harris Teeter, I always know that Mountain Dew is right near the sports drinks, it seems like. Maybe mm-hmm. they're trying to compete with some Gatorade, but then... That's not counting Mountain Dew Fuels, which oh, is the fuels. energy drinks. I didn't even list those. Those are different. Now, I have not tried a Coke energy drink. 
Have you? Oh, they have that? Yeah, Coke Energy. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have not. Yeah, so they have that. Now, what does pitch black taste like? What is that about? I have no idea. Oh, here, I can actually tell you. Mommy, I, mean, I can just look right here. It tells you what it is. I mean, live wire, voltage. What? What is, what are the various? It's a, so pitch black is a grape variant released for the 2004 Halloween season. So it's gone. No, it's still around. Uh, I may want to get that. I want to get some of that. <laughs> I didn't like white out. I know I did not like white out. That uh, smooth citrus flavor. That wasn't one of my favorite. I didn't. Anyway, enjoy that. I'm I'm sorry. I kind of went off on a squirrel there. I'm just I'm just surprised, and I don't understand why. I'm just happy that I finally got Mountain Dew Zero coming out of a fountain machine at my Circle K. It's kind of hard for me. I've got this pole with a grabber in order to push the thing. Uh huh. To maintain my six feet from the fountain display, but I think they were telling me that's not what that means. But that's okay. Mm. So from my standpoint, Marty, the thing that caught my eye in a store was Mm -hmm. I I was in Walmart. Two things have occurred recently going in and and dealing with what's going on. Number one, when I was in Walmart, I always walk by the game store, just game aisle, just like you, to try to see if I can help people out. They're looking at games and we're at home and everything. And I noticed that Monopoly was gone completely. Sure. Makes sense. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I know there's a toilet paper shortage and they have paper money. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I'm, you know, I was not going to draw that correlation, but I'm just like, there's other games here, you know? But they don't know about the other games, man. I know. And I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm just like, well, what about, you know, Ticket to Ride? Well, Ticket to Ride was finally sold out. I was like, well, that, that, that does me good. And there's a lot of other games. I mean, some of the kids' games, I'm like, maybe you and I should review one of those weird kid games with Mark and Nate someday. Um, and then all the puzzles are gone. Yeah. I went, out, I went to Walmart a couple of days ago, and it was like, that was what was wiped out was the puzzles. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. My wife loves them. I do not enjoy doing puzzles. Do you like doing puzzles? <sighs> I mean, I used to as a kid and Vanessa bought this like thousand piece Zelda puzzle, which I was kind of into, but we've done all the easy stuff now. And the only thing that's left is black. (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm tired of doing this now. (laughs) I mean, Donna and Rebecca put together 2000 over Christmas that I have been wanting for them to do ever since fun again, you know, kind of did that revamp and they sold out their stock. It took them a good long time to put that one together. So I was just really surprised about this. But this is what really threw me off on all this um, hoarding. So when I was in the grocery store, and our local chain is called Harris Teeter. Um, Donna said, why don't you pick up some ice cream? And I'm like, are you sure we're trying to be good? She says, no, I, I need some ice cream. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll get you some ice cream. And so she said, make sure you pick up because we're out of Hershey syrup. Now, do you put Hershey syrup on your ice cream? Um, every once in a while, yes, especially if it's homemade, I will. Now, I'll do it if I do a um, chocolate milkshake. Vanilla ice cream with chocolate with Hershey syrup. That's the only way I do a chocolate uh, milkshake. Gotcha. Okay. All yeah. right. All the Hershey syrup was gone. It's amazing what's being hoarded, isn't it? I'm like, what, what are they doing? Why are they drinking this stuff? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's like, I'm just depressed. Just give me a bottle of liquid chocolate and I'll drink that to help my depression. Oh, I know. I was just like, okay. So when I was in Walmart, I stopped at Walmart on the way home to see if they had it. And they did. Thank you, Walmart. And then also I had to pick up some Roundup. And that's why I was just walking around, you know? But then I remembered I had ice cream in the car and I needed to go home. But then the Monopoly... Maybe that makes sense for what you're getting ready to talk about. 
Yeah, so there was this um, article that came out for, uh, on KSL.com, which I believe is a, a station, a news station or something out in Utah. And uh, so uh, board games are big right now. All right. A lot of people are finding board games. Uh, we talked about this earlier about, uh, you know, you're in, you're looking for something to do. You play online. You, you're talking about, you know, uh, all the puzzles are gone. So people are, are stuck inside what they're going to do. And a lot of people are going out and picking up board games. Well, again, there was this article that was written. It was, it's called the bracket challenge. What is the best board game? And in there, they say in the article, uh, what they did is they went out to board game geek and 64 games were seated based on their ranking. And then the the listeners or watchers or viewers uh, could go out and vote on what their, their favorite game is. So you start out with 64 and you have a whole plethora of games. You've got anywhere from Gloomhaven, Castles of Burgundy, uh, down to Monopoly. So they've gone through and at this point in time, they're at the final four. So I can see what they are. So Tony, have you looked at this yet? Because I sent you a link. Yes. Okay, so you know what the final four are. Yes, I voted but, too. Okay, so the final four are right now, Ticket to Ride. Okay, I can totally understand that. That that deserves to be in a final four of board games. Apples to Apples. Uh, okay, it's probably one of your more popular party games. Risk. All right, you kind of get a little more mainstream. And Monopoly. All right, and so... The board game hobby, I've seen a lot of people upset. Like, this is ridiculous. Why is this like this? And, I, and I've talked to some of them. It's like, what do you expect? This isn't us. This isn't hobby gamers that's going out and voting for these things. It's the people that's going out to Walmart like you went to, Tony, and all the monopolies are gone. Mm-hmm. That's what they grew up with. If they see a Carcassonne, which was in the top 64 and was actually beat by Connect 4, they don't know what that is. They know what Connect 4 is. They know what Candyland is, which is why it beats Shadows over Camelot. The funny one, though, Tony, is did you ever watch Parks and Rec? No, but if you're going to reference Cones of Dunshire. Do you know what that is? That was some made-up game they did on the show. It's a made-up game that beat Gloomhaven, Tony. A fake game <laughs> beat Gloomhaven uh. in the polls. So, again, this is just the general public voting, and people are getting really upset. I'm like, for some reason, it's kind of bothering me. And it's like, okay, that's the elitist attitude that these people see, that they're upset Monopoly and Risk are in the top four, but they don't know any better. They don't know. It's like, oh, well, instead I should be playing Settlers of Catan. Great Western Trails on this list. It got beat by <gasps> Candyland. Mm, okay. Yeah, I could see that. But see, here's the thing. And you contrast that. It's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. But here's the thing. We do have our own way to vote. Right now, currently, on Board Game Geek, they run a tournament every year for the top 64 games. And they always do this for the NCAA tournament. But since it's not going on, this is kind of what it is. And it's called Geek Madness. Uh, At the beginning of the tournament, people submit any game they want to be on there. Though The 64 highest with the most votes gets in there. And now they're in the process of, uh, of voting and everything. Well, if you look at this list, this makes a little more sense in that, okay, we're only down to like the top 32 or something like that. But you're seeing names like Terraforming Mars, Roots, Seven Wonders, Concordia, Twilight Struggle, Struggle, Pandemic, Orleon, Brass. You're seeing things that we expect us to see. There's no way if the general public was voting for this, it would it would get that high. So people just need to chill. Just be glad that they're playing board games. And who knows? Them playing Monopoly or Risk or stuff may lead to something else. They may go and look at this bracket and see, oh, 
I have I have no clue what Gloomhaven is. What is that? Maybe I should check it out. Oh, I have no clue what Seven Wonders is, but it got a lot of votes. Maybe I should go check it out. People just need to take baby steps. So, and I'm surprised there's not more. Like, for instance, in one bracket, we had the Quacks of Quiddenburg mm-hmm. versus Twilight Imperium. Now, there is one bracket, if you're looking at Tony, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but the Quacks, the Quacks beat Twilight. Well, that's that's a more entry level game. But it's on the BGG. I would think that the number seven rated overall BGG. Oh, you're looking at BGG. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, again, I think it's one of those things that more people probably, on BGG-wise, probably more people have played it. I think a lot of these is like what people have played more of. If there's a couple hobby games, it's the one that people tend to know the most they tend to vote for. Mm-hmm. And maybe but it's a, popu- it's, it's a popularity contest. And again, so this one article in, in Utah, it's a popularity contest. Yes, Monopoly is going to be on there. But to be honest with you, I'm glad to see Ticket Ride is on there. On the final eight, you had other games like Settlers of Catan, Codenames. That's exciting. Those are the evergreen titles that we hear about constantly. Those evergreens are finding their way on Target shelves mm-hmm. and Walmart shelves, and people are picking them up and trying them. Those are your gateway games that will eventually lead to the pandemics and will eventually lead, who the heck knows, maybe to terraforming Mars. If Monopoly would ever lose out in a common poll, I think that would be very interesting. That, that That's yeah. when board games have come. I mean, you and I yep. do our best to go out and sell these things. You and I go out to the Walmart aisles, to the Target aisles, and now we have to use a blowhorn to preach it. <laughs> and here's the thing you talked about. We made the joke about Monopoly. You can wipe your butt with it and stuff. But here's the thing. I'm not going to begrudge anybody that no. wants to sit and play Monopoly. That That's all they know, man. Now, if you have a chance to bend their ear, and it's like, well, if you like Monopoly, you might like, and then suggest something else. That's right. And actually, people have asked, well, I bet you don't. Ever, I said, I will play Monopoly with you anytime as long as we play by the rules. Mm-hmm. Right. And they go, what rules? I'm like, there's the problem. <laughs> There's the problem. Everybody has a, it's like, well, do you play with this particular rule? No, there's no house rules. Play by the real rules. That's right. And you might be surprised as long as you, just like Catan, as long as you're willing to trade, that game ratchets it, rat will ratchet up for you in speed and enjoyment because that's the fun of it. And like I said, I, like I was looking at this list here, actually a good step for Monopoly would be like, you know, like Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. Where you do have a let cards in your hand, you're trying to build stuff, put out trains. I think that's a natural step. And I think people could easily go from Monopoly to Ticket to Ride. I agree. You know what's even more amazing, Marty? What's that? Is that we've been in uh, isolation, and yet we mm-hmm. were still able to achieve 60 minutes on this show. <laughs> that's right. Well, look, because we, we included very important things like um, um, soft drinks. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even mentioned lawnmowers, and we should be because it's mowing season. I've already mowed twice. How about you? Uh, I have. I've gotten two two times in. I had to fix the mower, but it's fine. I'm good with that. I need to get the oil changed in it, and the blades are good, so don't need any sharpening. I need to get the irrigation turned on. Well, then go turn it on. I uh, need to do that. Make sure I remember to close the right valves in the right sequence so I don't blow <laughs> stuff right. out. <laughs> oh, that's that's true. So yeah, so around the south here, people are starting to get out in their yards, and hey, it's a good time. There's not much else you can do, and while you're quarantined, you might as well go out and, and make your yard look beautiful, right? Uh, that's absolutely right. Or just keep rolling dice and taking names. 
Thanks for listening. That's right. Tony's doing it because he'll mess it up. But RollDiceTakeNames.com is where you can find us or you can follow us on Facebook. Or no, you like us on Facebook. You follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names or Instagram at Dyson Names. Or if you don't want to follow that, you can go at Tony underscore RDTN for no posts or tweets or whatever you people do out there in the uh, Twitterverse. Oh, Marty, so glad we got through this episode after a second time because Fred and Barney, one of them, couldn't remember to hit the record button. Yeah, it's because it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. Well, yeah, except for us. That's right, MiniatureMarket.com is where you can go. And get the board games you want, the solo players, the two players, whatever your isolation standards are. What do you need? Matter of fact, there are some great party games that you can definitely have that six feet of separation. Be sure to go check it out at MartyAntureMarket.com. Marty, is there anything else they can get over there? Well, yes, Tony. Maybe they want to go out and get some brand new shirts. And right now, Miniature Market's carrying off-world design t-shirts so that when you're ready to come out of isolation, you could be sporting your favorite game shirt, all that and more is over at miniaturemarket.com.